0: team on this morning I want to uh, share with you something today and perhaps for the next couple of three weeks I want to talk to you about moving forward moving forward uh, some of what I'll share with you today I've according to my notes uh, I have shared with you in the past over the years Uh, But I want to reiterate some of that today in laying a foundation for where we are going to go. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Bible says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together if i reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us amen Uh, pastor michaela referred to this scripture last week on talking about advent and the second advent uh, that we are waiting on Jesus's uh, second return. And uh, she did a wonderful job uh, in that, and I'm proud of our daughter-in-law and uh, Renee and I's daughter-in-law, and she helps us with the life groups and f- gets all of that information and, uh, together for us and makes those booklets and, and uh, appreciate her and Jordan and what they're doing uh, here in the church. Uh, The Bible says that the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have a witness on the inside of us that we are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. Amen. We've been adopted. We've been born of His Spirit. We are part of the family of God. And it enables us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are connected, we are accepted, that we are forgiven, and we are, have a witness of that on the inside. Can somebody say amen? amen? Because we are God's children, we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Children are heirs of their parents. However, uh, parents can determine the level or the different portions uh, that their of their possessions that they are going to give individually for to the children. For example, they can uh, say that they are leaving uh, uh, a house to one of their children and a watch to the other one. Right, because both are heirs of the inheritance, but the measure of the inheritance is different according to what the parents have set up there's there's very uh, distinct difference between being an heir and being a joint heir a joint heir gets the same inheritance amen they share the same equally what belongs to one belongs to the other there's no one has more than the other as a born again believer, we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, I know that's easy to say, but we don't believe it. But I want it to sink into your spirit today that you are a joint heir with Christ. I want it to get down in your heart. I want it to get down in your spirit. I want it to break up all the religion that you've learned all these years. And I want you to begin to believe in 2023 that I am a joint heir with Christ. Now I just told you that 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 means that what, what one has, being a joint heir, means that what one has, the others have right if me and brother Gary are joint heirs in something then we have the same in the same measure now we don't have a problem believing that Christ Jesus has all that pertains to righteousness and holiness and life right But somehow we don't believe that we have the same that Jesus had. But here we have in the scripture that says that we are joint heirs with Christ and that is our inheritance. What belongs to him belongs to me. We don't have any more than Jesus has, has, but neither do we have any less than what Jesus has. What he had in the earth and what he operated in the earth is the same measure that is available to you and to me as joint heirs with Christ. Amen. Everything in heaven that ha- that is able to be offered, it belongs to us. As Christians, we're connected to the one who has paid the price. And because of it, that we have the same incredible blessings and privileges that Jesus had because we have been made joint heirs with him. Everything. Yeah. <coughs> Amen. Yeah. Now, you've got to decide what side of the cross you're going to live on. You've got to decide whether you're a wretched worm or you're a joint heir with Christ. You can't be both. You can't live uh, on the fence, so to speak. You've got to decide that, that yes, that old man is, was exactly what they said it was, but I'm not the old individual any longer. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, and my life is hid in Christ, and now I am joint heirs with Christ. Glory to God. And so let's look here at Romans 8 and 17. If if children, then heirs, heirs of God, then joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorify together. The latter part of this verse clearly states that we will share in everything, including his suffering. Suffering is as much a part of the inheritance as reigning. If anyone ever tries to tell you that walking with Jesus is painless, without restraint, and without trouble, they are lying to you. Our Lord and our Savior endured suffering. He went through the things. Jesus went through those things. And if Jesus went through things, I'm here today to tell you that you and I, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, will also go through things we are going to suffer persecution we're going to go through difficult times we're going to go through uh, things in our life but please don't misunderstand me there are some things that jesus suffered so that you and i would not have to suffer it right and and so because of his suffering the curse of sin on the cross we don't have to suffer underneath the the burden of sin any longer. We can accept him as our savior and our lord and we don't have to be a slave to sin. We can be redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. The cross on the cross, he bore 39 stripes of suffering. He took the sickness and the infirmity and every disease that would ever had been known and ever will be known. He carried it to the cross that day. It was upon him and he carried it to the cross. And because of that, he said, by my stripes, you were healed. In other words, it's finished. It's done. And so now the finished work of Calvary, we can believe that because of Jesus' suffering that we can have healing, divine healing in our bodies. Glory to God. Amen. Has anybody here ever received healing? Amen. A few years ago, my sugar was out the roof. I couldn't, whatever I did, it was crazy. And I think I shared this testimony publicly, but I uh, was in the tent meeting and and God touched me and I I don't, I don't um, tell you to do this because it's what I felt to do, but I I heard the Lord heard in my heart, I heard heard healed people don't take medicine. And so I quit taking it. I'm not telling you to do that. That's just what I was felt to do. It was my faith. I'm not telling you to do that. And so I go back to the doctor and the A1C, six month blood thing, whatever it is, and it's down to six instead of 11. And he says, oh, that medicine's working. He said, just keep on doing it. I said, I will. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen praise God I'm telling you today he's a healer by his stripes we are healed amen it's past tense it means that it's already a finished work and now we're just waiting anticipating and believing for it to manifest in our bodies amen he nailed poverty to the tree <laughs> glory to God So we don't have to live in poverty any longer. He has given us a blessed hope, and I thank God for that. Some of us, we'll walk through suffering, we'll walk through trouble, but we don't have to walk through it alone. Right? You will be hated for his name's sake. I thought I would get all kinds of people shouting right there. Reviled. He said... You'll be persecuted, but be encouraged. Because if you suffer with him, you will also have the privilege to reign with him. Amen. Just as Jesus was raised up from the dead, there is no grave that can hold us because he got up, we can get up. And because he was glorified, we are glorified. And this is part of God's promise for us in our heritage, in our inheritance, that we are raised above all fear. We can, we can see the impossible and, and know that even though it may be impossible, God will make it possible. We can see that every burden can be lifted, that we can experience total freedom in our life from whatever the enemy will try to put us in bondage with. Can somebody say Amen. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I reckon that this suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. This verse clearly states to us that suffering we endure in our current situation is nothing compared to the coming glory that will be revealed where? In us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Psalms 126 and 5 said that they sow in tears, they shall reap in joy. All of this guarantees us that there is a measuring of suffering but it's nothing compared to the measure of glory that will be revealed and released in our life the measure of glory we receive will always outweigh the measuring of suffering throughout God's Word we read uh, about the principles of sowing and reaping and I believe in the principles of sowing and reaping. I believe that there are two major things that uh, we could preach for months on seed time and harvest but but whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap. A farmer does not sow corn and expect to get tomatoes. Right? You sow corn, you get corn, you sow beans, you reap beans. And the principle is also true in the spirit realm. You sow hatred, you reap hatred. You sow love, you reap love. You sow forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. Come on, somebody. And this is a powerful principle, that whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. This law is irreversible. It's unbreakable. However, there is a seed that supersedes the law of whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. There is a seed that is not bound by that law. When we sow in tears, he said we shall reap in joy. We reap something different than we sowed because it is greater than the law of even of seed time and harvest we he gives us beauty for ashes he gives us the oil of joy for mourning when you sow in pain you will reap in purpose when you sow in suffering you will reap in glory The harvest, in harvest time, we've sown one thing and we're going to reap another because it is our harvest that is on the way. The secondary principle that says that seed is always smaller than the harvest. You can hold an apple seed in your hand. In fact, you can hold many, many apple seeds in your hand. But just one small apple seed that you can hold between your fingers, but put into the soil, and it has the potential of reaping thousands of apples. This law is also real in the spirit. All you need is the mustard seed faith and a mustard seed faith can bring forth reaping of miracles come on somebody amen As human beings we tend to think that we are in pain and that our pain is greater than anyone else's pain and and nobody else has gone through the pain that we're going through and 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 we go through all of that and it's only natural for us to feel that our pain is greater or worse than anyone else's because it's our pain right we know the weight of our pain We know that that we're in this moment in my life and I am being overwhelmed and I am being emotional distress and it feels like I'm about to die. I'm in this pressure cooker called life and and it don't look like it, nothing's going to end and, and I'm about to explode and nobody surely has ever experienced this before. And I hear the word of the Lord say the weight of that suffering is not anything to compare to the weight of glory that shall be revealed in you. The children of Israel suffered. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14, it said, "The Lord will fight for you." Is anybody like that? <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. Shut up." Oh, no, he was kinder than that hold your peace right and the Lord said to Moses why do you cry to me tell the children of Israel to go forward tell the children of Israel just go forward after hundreds of years of bondage Pharaoh finally releases the children of Israel from bondage and in slavery but then he regrets it he says I, I need to get them back I need to to call them back into captivity I, I, I've decided that I'm going to persecute them some more and Israel finds himself in this difficult place he finds the Pharaoh chasing them and finds the Red Sea in front of them they have two choices run into the sea and die Or go back to bondage wouldn't that be encouraging I mean you would need a therapist for sure there's nothing around you that suggests that you're going to get out of this there's nothing positive that can come out of this situation I've just got to make a decision how do I want to die do I want to die going into the ocean or do I in the sea or do I want to die in captivity, in slavery? The Egyptians were behind them and. It presented their represented their past. It represented everything they had been through. It represented them making bricks without uh, without uh, hay. It, it represented a lack of food. It represented bondage. It represented a hostile situation that somebody was telling them when to get up and when to go to bed and how they could live every moment of their life. And that was the representation. Egyptians or Egypt was that representation of where they had been. The Red Sea was before them and it represented their future. Now, I don't know how spiritual you are today, but I promise you it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, both of those are scary. Both of them are scary. None of them look like, you know, that shouting ground for me. It looks like what what's what's the difference right as they looked ahead the future looked impossible But they look behind them because, you know, they couldn't swim the Red Sea. It was impossible for them to cross over this Red Sea. They they look behind them and it's impossible for them to go. They can't believe that they could live another moment in that hostile situation. And Egypt had a powerful army with horses and chariots. And Israel had no military training. They didn't have anything to fight with. They didn't have an army. They, They had nothing. They had no weapons to to war with. And if they retreated, they went back to their past. How many know that the enemy, every time that you're ready to, to, and you've purposed in your heart that you're going to move forward, the enemy will always try to come and, and bring you into captivity or bring you back to where you were. If you ever dare to try to get up from where you are, the enemy is going to be right in your face to try to pull you back into what you just decided I'll never do again. It's true. It doesn't matter if it's, a, if it's a thought process. It doesn't matter if it's a, a habit that's not good for you. It doesn't matter if it is a, a sin life and you, you ser- determine in your heart that I'm going to serve the Lord from whatever it is that you choose that is going to, to propel you into your future and into your God-given destiny. There will always be an assignment of hell that will try to pull you back into what you just did. Decided you was coming out of before you get too far away Amen And it, it, it'll try to cause you to believe that, that maybe it isn't so bad You know, once you've lived in, in captivity long enough There are some people that have been incarcerated so long They don't know how to live outside All they know how to do is live the incarcerated life. And I've heard stories of people that even uh, will even do something to get sent back to prison. Just because they don't know how to, to function outside of that controlled system. And if we're not careful, spiritually speaking, we'll allow the enemy to dominate us and to control us because we are afraid of what the future looks like but all of us have a past we're well acquainted with something that has scary stuff connected to it we've been through some things huh we've been through things that we didn't think we would make it through am I telling it right we've been through some things that that was so heavy upon our heart and and so crushing to our minds and our emotions and to our every attribute of our life, even spiritually, that we wondered, will we ever give up from this? We may have never verbalized it. We may have never told anybody, but in our hearts and in our minds, we questioned Will we ever get up from this? This may be where it ends. This may be the end of everything that I know or my hopes of a better day ahead. We've been through some trouble. We've been through tribulation. We've experienced hopelessness and disappointment and on top of it betrayal and even rejection. And it, does, it doesn't, doesn't take and, and put it just, you know, betrayal, and then you go a little wild and you get disappointment, and then you go a little wild and you have some hopelessness, and then you have a little good time, and then, then you're no, no, it just stacks all up one on top of the other. And it's meant to keep you down, it's meant to keep you where you are. But as we look back over our lives, It's amazing how faithful God has been through it all. And we could tell our testimony today, but we may not be able to tell people how we came out of it. Because we don't really know. All we know is if it had not been for the Lord on our side, our enemies would have taken us out all we know is that it was the grace and the goodness of God that we're still standing today and and us just being in the house of the Lord this morning is a testimony against the enemy that if God be for us who can be against us that it's a testimony against the enemy that if he had his way we would but we are here today lifting our hands one without wrath and the other without doubt and be like job and say though he slept me I'm going to trust my God amen our testimony is how far he has brought us and he has kept us even in hostile situations amen that even in the midst of it all we can still worship him right we can still praise him we can still glorify him some I was preaching one time, and a pastor he he tried to straighten me out after service. He said, I don't believe that you can be happy all the time. I don't believe that you can praise all the time. But 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 and he was my senior, and I just didn't say a whole lot of nothing. But but I know that in my times, whenever I have been down, whenever I've been in distress, whenever I have felt overwhelmed, it has been my praise. It hasn't been my preaching, it hasn't been my goodness, it hasn't been because because I lined up 12 weeks in a row that God started blessing me. No, no, no. It was without wrath and without doubt that I began to lift my voice to a holy God and say, God I don't understand the chaos, don't understand the mess, but one thing I know for certain that you are good and you're good all the time and you're worthy of my praise, you're worthy of my worship and I dare to lift up my voice and glorify you in the midst of my confusion in the midst of my chaos in the midst of my trouble I will bless the Lord at all times and your praise will be in my mouth hallelujah come on and praise him right here this morning you see our testimony is how far he has kept, kept he has brought us and he has kept us <clears throat> but more than likely you are also well acquainted with coming out of a difficult situation and being confronted with an intimidating future. Because that's the process of the enemy. He's a short scrimmage devil. He can't can't keep up longevity. He's a short scrimmage devil. He's going to hit you hard where you failed last time, where you gave up last time, where you quit before, where he was successful in your life before, and if he gets there and he finds a a brick wall instead of an opening, if he can't make access into your life in what has happened in your past, he's going to try to bring a scary future to you. After being through so much, it's frustrating to look ahead and be filled with fear. What do you do when you look into your future and your future is as scary as your past? God told Israel in Exodus 14 and 14, when your future is as scary as your past, he said, don't have a Maalox moment. He said, I'm going to fight for you. I don't think you heard what I just said. The Lord said, when your future is as scary as your past, I'm going to fight for you. And you can just hold your peace. How many has ever been in a real faith fight? Whenever you didn't understand everything that was going on. Whenever there's betrayal, when there's rejection, when people are involved in in your life, the the most difficult thing to do, it sounds good, hold your peace, but how many know, well, sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to keep your mouth shut. I've said a lot of times, it would be a whole lot easier to pastor if I could tell just everything I know. I could cause people to tip up, to put their finger up and tip on out of the building and never see them again. Amen. But sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because the reality of it is, is is it may look like it's a difficult thing. It may look like that circumstances are never going to change. It may look like you're the head or the tail instead of the head. But hold on to the promise of God. Hold on to the word of the Lord. Hold on to the confidence that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are some battles in which we do have to get involved in. We engage in those conflicts with our resources, with our connections, with our knowledge, with our prayer, and with our praise. But there are some things that during the struggle, God will just say, I'm going to fight this one for you. You don't have the resources. You don't have the answers. You don't have the strength. But I'm going to take care of it for you because you're my child. You, you have the audacity to rise up and start moving forward. And if you have have the strength to rise up and start moving. I've got the strength and the grace to propel you into your future. You just stand still and I'm going to fight this battle for you. Amen. Amen. These battles are beyond conventional wisdom. It's beyond our ability to pray through it. It's it's just too big. It's it's just too much. In these times, God steps in and fights for us. (laughs) Hallelujah. And all we have to do, I say all we have to do, is hold our peace. Sometimes we need to stop asking God to help you with the fight. And just hold your peace. And let God fight for you. Here in verse 14, after God told Israel to hold your peace, he told them in verse 15, go forward. God is faithful to do his part, but he expects us to do our part. If God meets you in the fight, It not so you can stay where you are it is so you can go forward what was Israel's part all Israel had to do is go forward amen when facing impossibility the greatest thing that you can do is move forward amen even though there is a lot of voices that are telling you to quit and voices to tell you to give up and and voices that tell you to uh, to stop and even critical voices that come at sometime in your life you've got to determine that I can't wait for a nice day I can't wait for a good day or a better day but in the midst of the struggle in the midst of the pain in the midst of the darkness when the days are so dark and the nights are so long and you're saying God where are you in my life but sometimes even in that darkness you've got to learn how to walk in the dark gotta learn how to walk in the dark what are you talking about pastor I'm talking about the sun isn't shining and the bluebirds aren't singing in your window But sometimes you just got to walk in the midst of that darkness and say, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. What is the report of the Lord? The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so God, I don't feel it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But I'm just going to believe that you have a purpose in my future. I believe your word that you will order my steps. And God, I'm not about to stay here another day. I'm going to move from this place and go somewhere. And, and you know, I, I, I know that you, you can pray for me because sometimes I'm not real spiritual. You know how I pray sometimes when it don't seem like I'm getting any answers. I say, God, I'm fixing to do this and if you don't want me to, you better stop me. Ain't that spiritual? <laughs> God, I don't know what to do, but I'm not about to stay here anymore. i got to get out of here. i got to move from this place. And God, you promised me that the steps of the righteous are ordered of you. And so I'm about to take some steps, and I need your Holy Spirit to guide my steps. Order my steps. Lead me. You haven't brought me here to die. You haven't brought me to this place to quit talking to me and quit ordering my steps. I believe that you order my steps. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're still ordering my steps. Even though I'm going through the valley, you're still ordering my steps. Even though I'm going through heartache and trouble and difficulty, you're ordering my steps. Glory to God. I woke up at 419, I believe it was Thursday morning, 419 on Thursday morning, and before I could get my feet off of the bed, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me that even great men cannot stop your destiny. He said just as Joseph went into the Potiphar's house and was in the prison, he said he was just as much in his destiny in prison as he was in the palace glory to God I'm telling you life isn't full of just a bunch of rainbows connected together life is full of ebbs and flows it's full of ups and downs it's full of mountains and valleys but in the midst of it all God is still God hallelujah you should never let where you've been keep you from where you're going I'm going to say that again. You should never let where you have been keep you from where you are going. you got to press forward. you got to press forward. What did the writer say? Not leaping, but pressing toward the prize of the mark of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a pressing way. You've got to push your way into the kingdom. What do we do when our future is as scary as our past? You're going to like this one. Run! Into it! Don't run from it. Run into it. But I don't know. Run into it. But i don't understand run into it but i don't have all the answers run into it you remember a shepherd boy by the name of david who had a sling and a stone nobody well let me tell you a story about a man named david who had a sling and a stone He was a little shepherd boy. He was put out by all the rest of his family. Even his daddy never believed in him. But but David had anointing upon his life. He had a call on his life. He had a mandate upon his life. And all through his life the enemy was trying to kill him. He would he would slay a lion. He would slay a bear. He he, he was put out in, in all different directions of his life. But David had a future, but his future was scary. He, it brought him to this place where that he was, his brothers were out uh, fighting. Israel was out fighting and, and he being a little shepherd boy and, and his daddy, he came in one day and his daddy told him to take some cheese and crackers to his brothers, right? And whenever he got to the top of the mountain, he hears this, this blustering voice crying out of the valley saying, send me somebody to fight. He's laughing, he's taunting, he's raging at them, and and and, he's, and he looks around and he goes and he says, Who is this that's defying God's army? Who is this that's disgracing our God like this? And they said he, he's the giant from Gath. He's, he, he's, he's, got, he's got six fingers and six toes on every hand and foot. He, he's a great man of great stature. And, we, and he's crying out, send me somebody to fight. Right? And his brothers are hunkered up in a pump tent over here scared to death with the rest of israel and david says i ain't afraid of him i'll go fighting they said put on saul's armor you know the story or maybe you don't didn't sound like you did <laughs> and they put, on, put all this Oh Lord put all this mess on him of Saul and he said I can't use what I haven't proven I've got to use what I've proven and what I've proven is what God's put in my hand he's put a sling in my hand and and he uses it and he he goes out there and David begins to hurl this voice at him saying I've told you to send me a man to fight and you've sent me a little boy and I'm going to feed his flesh to the fowls of the air I'm going to tear him apart today but the Bible Bible says that David was shaking his knees were shaken, and he runs back to the pump tent and says oh I didn't know it was all of that <laughs> I'm making it up since y'all don't know it <laughs> no 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 he didn't do that the Bible said that when he hurled all of this that David ran toward Goliath amen sometimes in the midst of your fear sometimes when fear and discouragement and worry and anxiety and all of this mess raises up in front of you sometimes the best thing you can do is run into that thing run against that enemy and David ran toward that Goliath and he got to where he was you know and he took that sling and he slew that giant that the whole nation was afraid of I'm telling you today that in your time of fear whenever it seems like the enemy has come and your your past is scary and your future is even more scary God may be setting you up and allowing you a privilege to be able to be a part of one of the greatest revolutions that ever took place hallelujah that day Israel found out that the God of Israel was still for them and not against them that with the power of a little boy with faith and a slingshot in His hand that a whole nation could go forward. I'm telling you today that God's looking for some little Davids in America. He's looking for somebody that'll run into the scary future of our culture and our society and say it's not by might nor by power but by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. And I'm not about to hunker down. I'm not about to give in to this system and the culture of the day but I'm about to To pursue and recover all that God has ordained for me for my family for my church for my city for our nation oh I'm gonna run toward our future come on and give him praise right here today I challenge you this morning to make a decision to run into your future it may look scary And you may have struggled with your past. But instead of asking God to take your fear away. Ask him to turn your fear into favor. And run into your future. Fear can be your friend. I'm almost done, Amy. That's your cue. Fear can be your friend. What do you mean, Pastor? Fear will usually result in one of three things. First of all, fear can paralyze you. It can cause you to give up. It can cause you to quit. It can cause you to not move from where you are. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to overwhelm you with fear and paralyze you to remain where you are. If he cannot paralyze you, the second thing that fear can do is it can drive you back to the past that you left behind. It's easier, always easier to go back to the familiar than it is to pursue into the unknown. In our humanistic nature, we're always more apt to go back to what we left. And know than we are to face our future and move forward. But the third thing is what I want to challenge you today, and that is that fear can cause you to get to your destiny quicker because you're not walking ahead, but you're running ahead. You're running ahead. You're moving forward So if fear's attacking your mind. Don't let it paralyze you, and don't let it force you back into what you've come out of. But turn it into your benefit and run toward your future and say, "I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Amen. I'm not done, but that's where I'm quitting today.